This is Professional Life Crisis. I'm your host, Amanda. And by now, I'm a damn near professional at having a life crisis. Coming from the girl who bought a corporate-sized whiteboard, like legitimately the size they have on the wall in your office, to map out all her future career options, I know what an emotional roller coaster your early career can be. And I don't even like roller coasters. This podcast is here to help you get through those messy, uncertain times riddled with ramen noodles and self-doubt. If you're an ambitious, curious young professional trying to pave your way in the world, it's not as scary as I once thought it was. But I really wish I'd had someone to tell me that. Welcome to the first episode. I'm your host, Amanda, and I'm so glad I'm not the only one going through a professional life crisis. Thank you for being here with me. Is it just me or does it feel like we're the very last generation to graduate college and have the prevailing idea that we're going to have one career forever? I felt like I was victim to the propaganda that you have to figure out what you're going to do with your life at 20 and go and do it forever. When I was at Carnegie Mellon, the most sought after job for people in my program was management consulting. So that's exactly what I did. And after all that work, I finally got there and consulting fell miles short of the expectations I had. You work so hard for this thing, this career, and then you show up and it's not what you thought it was going to be at all. It sent me for an all-encompassing, the world is ending kind of life crisis. For high achievers like us, there's such a deep emotional connection that we have to our careers. It makes up so much of our identity that when it doesn't pan out the way you planned and dreamed and worked for, it can feel like the world is legitimately ending. But now I'm on the other side. And I can tell you, it is all going to be okay. And there are so many amazing options when your first career out of college doesn't meet your expectations. But before we get to the after, here is my journey to and through the consulting world. Enjoy. Wait, they're going to pay me how much? In August of 2016, I'd finished my summer internship with a popular consulting firm and then headed back to Carnegie Mellon for my final year. I'd had two key takeaways from that summer. I didn't think the people at the firm wanted to be there, and neither did I. But at that time, they don't really teach you about how many options you truly have with your career. So I interviewed with another popular firm where I found more enthusiastic, like-minded people whom I hoped would instill some more excitement into me and my career. Fast forward two months, I sat across the university center table from my friend who was going to work at Google. As the recruiter spoke, I nervously jotted down figures from the offer in my notebook. Wait, they're going to pay me how much? I felt so validated. I squealed right after we hung up the phone. Fast forward one year, October 2017. It only took me about three weeks to realize that I hated consulting, but five years to leave. Sound familiar? My story starts with my first truly awful project. They say that all analysts hate their first project, and I was no exception. Disclaimer though, I'm very privileged, and the problems to follow are pretty minute. It's November of 2017. I've just gone through a heart-wrenching breakup with my emotionally unavailable college ex, and now I'm assigned to my first project. Cue the ironic sparkle emoji. I'm an unstable emotional mess, but now it's go time. The first few weeks of the project were quote unquote local, which means that my client works in their beautiful, fancy, modern skyscraper in Columbus Circle. And the consultants? Oh, well, we work at the dingy seven-story brick building next door. 
And for me specifically, that also meant a four-hour round-trip commute from my parents' house on Long Island to said dingy around-the-corner brick building. Obligatory acknowledgement that I was lucky to live for free under the roof of my adoring parents for the first three years of my professional life. But alas, I would not recommend that commute to anyone who values their own sanity or happiness. The first few weeks consisted of getting myself onboarded, meeting the team, and finding a small group of analysts and consultants on the project who would become my saving grace during that first consulting fall. Three weeks into my assignment, we got notified that we were going to start traveling. Free food, hotel points, airline miles. Oh, it's going to be so sexy. Ah, off to Charlotte, North Carolina we go. Airport code CLT. I've always had this sneaking suspicion that a female was nowhere to be found on the airport code naming committee. But anyway, it's a sterile-looking financial city. Like a way worse New York, but at least the flowers bloom well into December. Traveling life was lonely. We flew in on Monday mornings and left on Thursday evenings. We often worked late because, well, one, we were mandated to on Tuesday nights until 9 p.m. for visibility. And two, when you're traveling to a random, shitty, non-New York, there's not a whole lot that a 22-year-old can find to do on their own, especially when they're wallowing in self-pity. The small group of analysts on the project would sometimes go out together, and we found a bar nearby with an amazing pineapple chipotle margarita. This would go on to become a staple drink of mine that'll reappear in another chapter of my life, but more on that in another episode. Eventually, I decided to hit up a local Orange Theory where I actually befriended another young consultant who gave me the vibes that she'd also cried earlier in the day at work, but was looking to get that endorphin hit from, you know, literally anywhere. We became friendly and saw each other at classes every now and again. One time, she even drove me in her rental car to the nearby Whole Foods so we could grab a bite of dinner together from the prepared food section and complain about our budding consulting careers. If you ever read this, Consulting Girl, thanks for being one of my small saving graces during what would turn out to be one of the most depressing stretches of my life. The infamous first project. New analyst orientation was so promising. Motivating speakers, kind, cool, interesting peers in my start class, and that first adult real paycheck. It all felt so good. But when I got plucked from the blissful land of orientation and involuntarily assigned to my first project, I met some of the nastiest people I'd ever encountered professionally. Two women, a senior manager and a managing director, who I'd like to erase from my memory, but unfortunately they left a lasting impression. I remember one mandated 9pm Tuesday in December. Tensions ran high. The release was scheduled for New Year's Day, another problem we'll get to later. And we were getting down to the wire. The two of them had called an all-hands meeting. They disagreed about something vehemently. The details are hazy, but that feeling in the pit of my stomach is as heavy as the day that I sat in that 65-degree, over-air-conditioned war room. Words flying back and forth across the table. Conflicting ideas turn into digs. Digs turned into downright unprofessional yelling. In front of us all. They publicly undermined each other's authority, and they brought the entire team right down with them. Nobody knew what to say especially the genuinely nice managers and consultants who were probably both questioning their own trajectory at the company and trying to figure out how to console panicked analysts all at once. I've never seen such a public display of disrespect between professionals, let alone women. The vibes were certainly not on point. The meeting finally ends, but the tension does not break. I grab my computer, hop in the elevator, and walk briskly out the door. 
as soon as I get far away that I can be relatively sure that my coworkers can't hear me, I call my mom and cry. It's nothing like I pictured. The days drag on. The people are mean. I can't see a future here, but this is everything I've been working toward. I don't know what the fuck to do. I want to come home. My side of the conversation went something like that. My mom, being the gem that she is, tried to remind me of everything rational that she could think of. It's only a few more days that you're there. This project won't last forever. You'll get more comfortable as time goes on, and other people at the company are nice. You just have to find the right ones. And she was right about every one of those things. But in the midst of that situation, it felt like this project was my entire life. It's all doomed. Everything. My narrow-minded brain kept saying on repeat. How long do I have to work here before I can quit and not look completely unemployable to any other company? We were required to work on site the Saturday of New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve Eve. We're not allowed to bill it. Just quietly work it and pretend you didn't. It wasn't my decision to schedule the release on New Year's Day. What a ridiculous idea. That Saturday would thankfully be my last day on the project. Those first two months turned into two years. I stumbled onto a project with a pharma client via an old college friend. The subject matter was bland, but it was better than my first awful project, thank God. I made friends with the project team, my managers, the MD. I impressed my clients, and they requested me by name. We traveled to Austin, Texas, a funky, hip, non-CLT, where I'd try a fish that I actually liked, eat the best donuts of my life, and find another orange theory. It would have been great to know that the air conditioning was broken before attending class, but even in the 100-degree heat, I still enjoyed being in Austin. But all these distractions aside, I couldn't work on these dry technology implementation projects anymore. I had to do something more creative before the soul got fully sucked out of me. My timer was ticking. One afternoon, we had a team meeting, which I found particularly dry, as I did with most conversations about cutting over accounts from some old outdated technology to the cloud. I shared my screen to present some metrics that I'd been tracking. They didn't ask me much. Nice. I must have passed. In the background of the call, I drafted an email to my career advisor. It's time for me to go. I can't work on this anymore. And some other not-so-nice things. (gasps) Holy shit. I'd been sharing my screen the whole time. The horror. I felt all the color fall out of my face at the same time. The meeting ends. I get a call from the MD. I panic, obviously, but he was kind. He laughed it off. I was so embarrassed. He recognized and validated my desire to move on and helped put me on the path I needed to go. He recommended making me an intro to a marketing team working on the same account. I'm very grateful he did. It led me to my mentor and now friend at the firm who I would go on to work for for my last two years. So I started my journey working in marketing consulting for that warm, witty, creative British guy. What a contrast to the characters of consulting projects past. The learning curve was steep at first. I had to unlearn most of what I'd learned in those first two and a half years, both technically and emotionally. My slides were too dry, too boring, too technical and wordy, not enough visuals or compelling storytelling. The people were kind, creative, and supportive. That was all so new to me. I ran my first internal meeting with our new team's MD. She was artsy. She didn't care to see my organized Excel table or the Gantt chart with the project plan. She wanted to talk about how we wanted to make our clients feel, what value we were going to bring to them throughout the project. What? So you don't just want me to make slides? 
But over time, I learned. And then I thrived. I did well with the more creative aspects of my new role. I built relationships with my clients. I built a small team. I mentored analysts. I took up a leadership role in the women's group. At 26, I got promoted to manager. I had friends at work. I loved my team. Things were good for a while. But that lingering feeling like I was in the wrong place was still ever present, even though I could mask it with some of the more palatable parts of my new day-to-day. I felt like I was wasting my potential. I hated feeling like I was never truly doing anything of substance. I secretly felt insecure, like if I had to go out and do any of the things on my own that I was consulting my clients about, I would have no idea how to orchestrate it myself. These feelings bubbled up throughout different phases of my career, whenever I felt especially disconnected with work. I was assigned to what would be my last awful project in consulting. It was my best friend's birthday, July 20th. I cried at work that day. What a cold, wicked witch our client was. After work, my manager called me. He knew something was wrong. I expressed my discontent and emotionally unraveled to him about this particular project. He listened and vowed to come back to me with a solution. I was late to birthday drinks from collecting myself, but nothing a small personal bottle of Patron couldn't fix, right? My manager called me the first thing the next morning. He said, okay, I sorted it out for you. There's another project that you can start to work on, and I'll take you off this project tomorrow. Poof. It was as simple as that. Two years of loyalty, showing up, and doing good work even when things were hard. It had paid off. I'd finally found someone who supported me and cared about my being as a person and not just a consultant robot. In the summer, I'd gotten an email from a startup expressing interest in interviewing me for a marketing role. How cool. This could really be something. Still, I felt insecure. I'd never really done any marketing before, just talked about it. I was transparent about this in my interviews. Probably too transparent. They hired someone else, from Carnegie Mellon. How ironic. Damn it. Back to consulting for another few months. I finally built up the courage to take my long-awaited leave of absence. From Christmas until April, I was free. I wouldn't get paid, of course, but I could spend the time however I pleased and have job security when I was ready to come back. But I wouldn't go back. Instead, I would travel to Thailand, go on a liveaboard diving trip, and eat, pray, love the shit out of that place. I would be recontacted by that same startup to be their chief of staff. I would travel to Silicon Valley to have my final round interview and negotiate the contract for my first home, chaotically in the same day. Talk about a whirlwind of a three months. It felt like a bit of a personal metamorphosis. When I look back on that time, it felt like Earth's plates seemed to be shifting and moving everything around just to bring everything together for me the way that it was meant to be. I was offered the job, and I knew I wanted to take it, but not without telling my manager first. We had drinks. I told him all about Thailand. He politely listened for a while and said, So you're not coming back, are you? I smiled and said, no, no, I'm not. He was thrilled for me, and I was relieved. I would start my new job as chief of staff in a few weeks, and we would remain friends. Time to start the learning curve all over again. More on that in a future episode. If you've listened this far, thanks for sticking with me. I'm going to continue sharing parts of my professional journey and bring on guests to share more of the lessons they've learned during their own career and life pivots. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave it a five-star review on Apple or Spotify and share it with a friend that may be going through a bit of a chaotic career moment themselves.
Subscribe to our Substack newsletter for podcast recaps, interactive polls, and more. My next episode is all about working at a startup in the middle of a tech recession, what it means to be a generalist, what the chief of staff role is all about, and more. If you're jazzed about any of those topics, I hope I'll see you around in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.